we are in this series, this four-week series called Generosity. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, there we go. Generosity towards 2020. Wow, how did that get there? That's awesome. And um, I just want to say one thing before I go any further here, is that if you are visiting this morning, or you're a guest of ours here, uh, and you've been traveling with us maybe for the last couple of weeks, and you're starting to get to know us here at Door of Hope, if you ask me the question, Steve, what would be the one word that would describe the people of Door of Hope Christian Church? I wonder what the word you would say. Because the word that I would say is this word, well, the word generous anyway that the people of Door of Hope Christian Church are an incredibly generous bunch of people. Now, I certainly don't measure that on the tithes and offerings. I measure that in terms of their heart. We've already heard just a couple of stories here this morning from Julia and Joe of the generosity of giving up their time in meeting with people across our community who are doing life pretty tough. Oh, there are a few other things, by the way, that the people of Door of Hope go about their way of doing life and representing Jesus here and, and beyond. And the people here sponsor well and truly over 300 children across the world. They participate in what we call heart plunges, where we go and visit um, developing parts of our world and spend their well-earned money and time with these people, uh, generally in uh, Africa or India or the Philippines or China. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we had the Watoda Children's Choir here. Remember the Children's Choir? Yeah. And we came to some of you and we said, would you be able to um, house some of these children for one night? And some of you realized we had to come to you in the end and say, could you do this for three nights? And the generosity of many of you stood up and said, absolutely. Superheroes camp. We do that a couple of times a year where we take children away from pretty tough backgrounds and we celebrate who they are. We celebrate their lives and many of you participate in that. Miracle Missions offering. Every Christmas we come to you to help finance projects that we have locally, nationally and internationally. You donate food to our food pantry every Mother's Day and Father's Day. Alpha. Some of the team here. The, the Alpha team. Take people through the journey and help people understand and explain what Christianity is. Um, Hope Kids, we've got a bunch of our people out and in the Hope Discovery Center right now teaching the next generation of the good news of Jesus Christ. We have hospital visitations. Parents with newborns are supported by meals. Um, we, have, uh, we assist the unemployed with returning back to the workforce, and we call them hope trainees. We donate and do up cars, and we call that ministry Mad Wills. And so we have a number of cars donated to that particular ministry, but I've got another donation I want you to tell you about, because just in case you see a car floating around in, uh, in, throughout the city streets, that just recently, about a month ago, we had a car donated to us here at Door of Hope, a second-hand car, and... We, we, we receive that because um, I'm not, it's not my car, it's not anyone's car, it's the church's car where we can uh, run errands, we can do hospital visitations, and um, uh, we can go and pick things up, do airport picks up, pickups and things like that. And so what an incredibly generous bunch of people that we do life with here at Door of Hope. But I want to say this, and it's this, that generosity has nothing to do with money. Generosity has all to do with our hearts. And so right now, we've got a few people who are going to come up 
because you're such a generous group of people. We've got a few people who are going to come up and just kind of hand out some gifts. I think they're at the back there, are they? Yeah, here we go. Come on, stand up. We're going to put some music on. We're going to get a bit of fun going on. We've got a few gifts here in this gift bag to, to random people, random acts of kindness to people uh, among us. To crank the music up. You can clap your hands if you like. some gifts over here, gifts over here, gifts over there, just being generous this morning, a gift of generosity to you, all right, let's keep going, (laughs) good, okay, that can keep, 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 keep giving them out. And uh, just a few gifts there on our behalf. I think there's a bit of flourish um, um, stuff there as well. And by the way, August 20, I think, Amanda, isn't it? Yeah, August 20 is the Flourish Women's Event here. And uh, get ready for a wonderful day. Let's come back to generos- generosity. Can I just say just a few things before we get into that text this morning? Because generosity is a way of seeing. Generosity is a way of thinking. Generosity is a way of living. And generosity is futuristic. What I mean by that is that it's forward thinking. And what I mean by that is this, that it's helped us build this facility in which we are sitting in. And it's helped us build our future. And so generosity is always moving forward. It is futuristic. Uh, Let me say just a couple other things about generosity. It's this, the generosity is not built on what we don't have. It's built on what we do have. Whatever it is that we have within our hands because ultimately it comes out of what's in our hearts. And it's often expressed in an act, but it's proven in a lifestyle. You see, generosity is without motive. In other words, it never, it's never because someone's watching. It's never about impressing somebody. It's without agenda. It has that no strings attached. So generosity is without motive. And so when you start looking through generous eyes, you see the world differently. In fact, you see everything differently. And I can support that by Scripture. Generosity is talked about in the book of Proverbs quite a bit. And we open up Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 to 25 in the message paraphrase. And it says this, that the world of the generous gets what? Larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets what? Smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. So generosity literally changes our world. It gets larger and larger. It literally changes our world for the better. Our world gets bigger. Our world gets brighter. Our world gets better and our world gets larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Another thing we learn about this thing of generosity is this, that we learn the power of kindness when we are generous. What I mean by that, you know some people in your life, I'm sure you don't have them in your life, but those some people that I have in my life who just don't, um, who, who are, uh, don't like being wrong, they have to be right. Anyone married? No, let's not go there. But when it comes to generosity, 
you don't always have to be right. What I mean by that is this, that being kind is often more generous than being right. And so a generous person isn't easily threatened. Are they going to come and take our jobs? They wouldn't take your job if you were generous in the first place. And so generosity esteems a person, esteems another person's life. And so if you are generous, if you are genuine about becoming a generous person, give away something that hurts. Jesus did. He gave away his life in incredibly generous, sacrificial act of generosity. And so you're being more generous when you give, when there's no hope of return. One of the things I love when it comes to generosity is when, it, when you have the opportunity to pay for somebody else's meal. And uh, I remember three particular personal things I was sharing with my wife during this week to help me remember some of the facts that came with this. And one particular time, we were sitting in Morty's as a family, weren't we? Sitting in a Morty's, and um, one of our congregational members was sitting over in a distance and, and must have spotted us. I certainly didn't see that particular person. And came over and put a wad of cash in my hands to help pay for the meal. And I will never forget that act of generosity. What an incredible act of generosity for me and my family sitting there and paid for our meal. Another act I certainly remember of generosity was um, a time when uh, we were in another restaurant, and this time it was, a little, it was probably a little bit more anonymous. And um, we were sitting there and ready to go and pay for our meal, and uh, of course we got the, the cards out and the, the money, etc. and all of a sudden the person says, your meal has been paid for. What an incredible generous act. The only thing with something like that is, I just wish I knew because I would have eaten a whole lot more. <laughs> Another thing was the year 2002. We checked that out, didn't we? It was the year 2002. Some of us in this place might remember an airline called Ansett. Karen and I, we'd worked for a good couple of years without a good solid break, and we'd saved up to go and travel to a place that I'd never been to, but Karen said, Steve, I want to take you to Cairns. Any people have been to Cairns? Yeah, great place, isn't it? Up north there in the sun. Anyway, and so we were going to Cairns, and it was right at that time, that same week we were flying out, that Ansett went under. You know what happened as that went under? Somebody among us, the generous act of somebody among us was on the phone to Qantas pretty much immediately and booked us tickets so we didn't have to miss out on our holiday. They knew we were going, they were excited about it, and they booked us tickets. What an incredible, generous act. Another act of generosity just recently happened where you may not have noticed this, but um, a few weeks ago, our projector was just, you know, it was, it was I guess, coming of age and it wasn't that bright and uh, we're struggling with it. And we, we got a new one, thankfully, and uh, you can see the difference now. And um, uh, we called upon one of our staff members, and I'm going to name this person, we don't normally do that, but this person um, went over and above uh, the call of duty, they pretty much dropped everything to help us install this thing, from what I understand. It's Peter Cripps up the northern end of our uh, facility here, who works amongst us here and does an incredible job, and pretty much dropped everything and installed that. I don't think Peter's here this morning. No, P 
Peter's not here this morning. He generally, generally comes of a night time. And so, so very thankful for people like that who are able to serve us in these ways. Now, a generous, a generous church is, is healthy because generosity has so much more to do than with just finances. It's to do with the heart. What is it? Generosity is a way of seeing, it's a way of thinking, it's a way of living, it's, a, it's futuristic, it's without motive, it's kind, it's sacrificial, it's surprising, <laughs> and it's memorable. And so as we become more generous, I believe God will make the health of our ministry to our city larger and larger. Do I hear an amen? Amen. Let's move to the big idea before we take this text apart this morning. The big idea for this next four weeks is this. How we manage what we assume is ours reflects our devotion to the one who it actually belongs. The, the, we have six key values here at Door of Hope. One of the key values is profitable stewardship. As I said, um, every now and then it's good to have a reminder about these things. And I've already expressed to you the generosity of the people of this church is extraordinary. And so this is, this is our annual reminder that how we manage what we assume is ours reflects our devotion to the one who it actually belongs. I don't know about you, but every now and then, do you ever get once in a while that aha kind of moment where the light, did it come on? Did it, where, the, where the light bulb comes on. If you ever have some of those kind of moments where you suddenly see something about that the world in which we live is different, where you suddenly see relationships, whether it's to do with relationships or, the, or your job or at school, where your perspective changes in such a way, where you start seeing the world differently. And sometimes we hold on to those views or perspectives that are holding us back based on how you and I see. Now, central to Christianity, central, not all, but central to Christianity is this idea of what the Apostle Paul called the renewing of the mind. Learning to see the world the way God sees the world, so that when God asks us to do something, it makes more sense. Learning to see how God sees relationships. Learning to see how God sees singleness. Learning to see how God sees marriages. Learning to see how God sees money. Learning to see how God sees our professional lives, our potential and opportunities. So that when he asks us to do something, it makes a whole lot more sense. Because when we see as God sees, we will, we will be more inclined to do as he says. Some of us have had the privilege of raising children. It really is a privilege. It's enough to say a certain age of their life, to do as I say. To do as I say. Yet there comes a point within their lives that you need to change that to see as I see. And it's the same with our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father, as a parent, feels the exact same way because when we see as God sees, we will be more inclined to do as He says. The Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the Old Promise. The Old Covenant is that relationship between God and the Jewish people, yeah? And through that relationship, God birthed His Son, 
into this world to give the world an even better picture of how God sees the world and also how God operates. And so we see this from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. Through Jesus, we get as close to understanding God as we will ever get, seeing as he sees, because Jesus was God in the flesh. And so here's Jesus one day, he's teaching, and he looks around the crowd, and he sees this diverse group of people. He sees the slaves, and he sees poor people, and he sees rich people. He sees the religious leaders with their arms folded. He sees sinners, and he sees tax collectors, this diverse group of people who he's about to address. And he decides in this moment that there's this opportunity to help these people see the way God sees And so this particular afternoon, he chose to teach them how God views people who are far from him. Some of you might be familiar with the passage in Luke chapter 15, where he talks about the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Sheep, coin, and son. Profound passage of scripture of God's heart and the way he sees people. And when he's finished, the religious leaders are kind of rolling their eyes because they know that they were the bad guys in this parable. And as they turn to leave, and Jesus hasn't yet finished because he wants to continue to teach that particular group, in particular, how God sees the world. And just as they were turning away to leave, Jesus says this, that there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possession. Now keep in mind, these people who are about to turn away because they didn't like what Jesus was teaching, a lot of people didn't like what he was teaching, by the way, they started to turn away. And as they were turning away, because they were all rich men, all these rich men who never knew how Their household slaves were managing their household money. And it became a little complicated, the servants and the slaves at the time, doing everything for these rich men. But this got their attention. This got their attention. And Jesus looks to the crowd and continues to teach. And in his peripheral vision, in Luke chapter 16, verse 1, it says this. There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. We'll keep going, thank you. Here we go, here we go. Before we go there, Jesus leaned in and he's getting ready to share with these rich men who were before him. And they're listening what he's going to say. Jesus was about to explain how God views money. Before we go there, could you imagine the crowd and listening in on Jesus' teaching about how God views money? And so he captures their attention with this, and it goes on and says this. So he called him. Let me go back. There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possession. Rich man. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. He's about to be fired. Here we go. Keep going. Thank you. The manager said to himself, 
what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do, that aha kind of moment, so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, what's half of 900, by the way? 450, very good. Take your bill, sit down quickly and make it, there it is, 450. Halve your bill just like that. We have the rich man and we have the manager. Two characters here. Here we go, keep going. Then he asked the second, no, sorry, go back, thank you. Thank you. And how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. We'll go to the next slide, thank you. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended this, this, the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. Just leave it there for a moment because we'll come back to it. And it's a couple of things I just want to highlight from this particular passage. We've got a couple of characters I've already mentioned. We've got the money manager and we've got the rich guy. The money manager had this little bit of time and he had this little bit of opportunity and he used it wisely, yet the crowd are a little dumbfounded, like sitting there with their mouths open going, what on earth is going on here? So that's the money manager. Then you have the rich guy who the money manager has to report to. This rich guy is commended as his dishonest manager. And so you have um, that sense of saying to him that you've secured your future at my expense. And so at this point, Jesus pulls out of the parable and he has their attention. And the story goes on. Have we got that last little bit there? Here we go, yeah. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. What he's saying here is this, that the people who think that all there is to life is this life, that once you die and it is over Red Rover, <laughs> those people are a lot more shrewd than those who believe that there is life after this life. Shrewd means smart, shrewd means clever, shrewd means streetwise. So Jesus is saying, I want you to use what you have in such a way so that when you die, there will be people in eternity that will welcome you because of what you did with what you had. And so what's being highlighted here is this, is that God sees what we have, our possessions, our everything as a... Go to the next slide. As a tool. There we go as a tool. And so Jesus asks a better question. He asks, who will you have to show for it? Not what. Who will you have to show for it? Now, when I read this particular passage, I cannot help but think that those of us who have made all of what we do here possible, as a Door of Hope Christian Church, the reason we are able to do this is because many of you understand this. How we take what is temporary, what is here today, and what is gone tomorrow, and we turn it into something that actually impacts and transforms people's lives. Your home, you treat as a tool. Your lounge room, 
you treat as a tool. Your business, you treat as a tool. Your backyard, you treat as a tool. Hundreds of, hundreds of you get this point. And it's why we are where we are today, because of your generosity that you think and you know that everything that comes your way is a tool and what we have is temporal. So I want to ask you again this morning, maybe for those who are figuring this out, what is it that you have and how can it be used? Now, Jesus isn't finished here because the story continues to go on just a few more verses. And in verse 10 to 12, it says this, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own. So it's becoming clearer here as Jesus unfolds this message before his crowd that's listening that it's not just a tool. Your wealth and money and stuff is not only a tool. In fact, if we go to the next slide, it's, it's actually a test that's unfolding here. It's a test that we've all been given just a little bit. And God is watching to see what we will do with that little bit that it's on loan to each of us. But if you're anything like me, sometimes, you know, uh, with our, our own perspective, our little bit, compared to someone else's little bit, looks like they have a lot bit. <laughs> and you look at their lot bit, and then look at someone else's little bit, and you say, we've only got a little bit. <laughs> and so from the perspective of where God is, from the eternal perspective, we all have a little bit and for a very short amount of time. This is how God views our stuff and our money. If we go back, if we go to the next slide and remind us of this big idea is how we manage what we assume is ours reflects our devotion to the one whom it actually belongs. Now, of course, as you know, as you think about the life of Jesus and as he taught, this was a primary theme of his life, except for what the kingdom of God is like. He taught more about this particular subject than heaven, hell, and salvation. He taught consistently that people who are faithful with their earthly wealth and possessions will be rewarded in the life to come. And so in this parable, Jesus is saying that your generosity matters beyond this lifetime and that we can actually make what is temporal eternal. Now, I realize talking about such a subject like this, for some of us, quite uncomfortable that we're talking about this, but for some of us, it's actually motivating. And it certainly has for me over the years, as I've read this personally, as I've been taught about this and the ways of God and the ways that He sees things like this. But as we unfold this passage of Scripture, we'll go to the next slide. It says, no one can serve two masters, Jesus says. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You know, God's chief competitor for your and my heart is that of money. And Jesus understands this, and he says that you cannot serve both God and money. You have to make that choice. If I was to come up with another big idea, I'm just going to give you a couple right now for this particular series, it would be this. Have we got that there? Nope. Go to the next one, thank you. Nope, we'll go back, sorry. 
We'll go back. We didn't have that. My bad. (laughs) And it's this, that there can be no significant spiritual growth in your life unless you put your money and attitude toward it in God's hands. Because you can't put God last in your budget and claim that he's first in your life. And so God sees the use of everything that comes our way as a what? As a tool? Yep. As a test. And the third one, I think we got that one before. Here we go. And it's a trademark. I think we need to go back a couple of slides. (laughs) And it's a trademark. What's a trademark? A trademark communicates ownership. It's a reflection of whose we truly are. Verse 14 and 15 goes on and says this. Have we got this? Here we go. See what happens. Here we go. All right. The Pharisees who loved money, the Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. He's saying, um, if you you are so good at talking yourself out of generosity, but do not be deceived, God knows your heart. Well, I wish I could give more. I wish I could support the church. But don't forget, what did we say at the start? Generosity is not a financial issue. That's a heart issue. And Jesus says to the religious leaders of the day that you can justify yourself all day long, but your wealth is a tool and your wealth is a test and your wealth is a trademark. Here is how God sees it. Let me just take this for a moment. Two things and I'm done. I've got a clock in my hands and I've got a whole lot of cash. I knew if I brought the real thing, some of you started to get a little bit edgy, all right? So I brought some Monopoly money. <laughs> and so Jesus, he sees it like this, that we all have a little bit, a limited amount of this, and we have a limited amount of this. Time equals opportunity. Money and possessions equals a tool. And our Heavenly Father is watching to see how much of this we are willing to turn into some form that helps other people, which turns into a test. Remember, from His perspective and from His eternal perspective, we all just have a little bit. And at the end of the day, what we do with this and what we do with this determines whose we truly are. When we get to the end of the life and end of our lives, we're not going to wish that we were given less and we spent more. We will not lay on our deathbeds and say, if only we'd finished that spare room. If only we'd built a bigger house. I had the privilege this week of being invited to do my friend's father's funeral this Wednesday coming. Friend who's not connected here. And I jumped at the opportunity, of course, and as we sat around the table on Friday and shared family stories and and shared the past, there was no talk, there was absolutely no talk of that kind of stuff in what I'm talking about. But here's also what I do know about these couple of things, and it's this. We're actually going to run out of this before we run out of this. Why is that? 
I think the scriptures taught us it's because we are shrewd. We are shrewd when it comes to this world. We are not so shrewd when it comes to eternity. And consequently, we will run out of time before we run out of money. And maybe, maybe there's more room for, for, for all of us to create more tools and maybe to become more trustworthy and look in the mirror and say that I may be able to convince everybody else, but if God knows my heart based on my time and my money, whose am I really? You see, it's a test, it's a tool, and it's also a trademark. And we're encouraged through Scripture to use this wisely. And ultimately, Jesus says it actually indicates whose you are. Let me pray. Father, we uh, come before you and we say thank you for your word. We thank you for teaching us. Uh, some things are confronting as we've experienced with the religious leaders of the day. These kind of things can be confronting for some. And Lord, this is certainly not a guilt thing at all. This is a generosity thing. This is a heart thing. We've already talked about that. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts about this as a church, as individuals, as married couples, as families, this month of August that we've set aside specifically to talk about the difficult things as a family. And so Lord, would you touch our hearts in places that we need it the most? Because we want to be people who honor you and we acknowledge that everything, Everything ultimately comes from you and is for you. We brought nothing into the world and we're certainly not going to take anything with us. But Lord, what we do know in this season as a church that we're in is that we're in the 2020 vision where you've laid upon our hearts three particular things that we're really, you're really highlighting to us. To grow hope, to grow invitations, and to grow mercy. Father, I pray that you would grant each of us that courage these coming days, these coming weeks, as we step into all that and that we behave accordingly to your word and how you teach us and what you teach us. Help us, Father, we pray, to see the world as you see the world, as we open your word daily in our 20 minutes in the chair. It could be longer, it could be shorter. But as we open your word, teach us, Lord, so the world may know that you are a good, good father and that you are our God and we are your people. But ultimately, that we would know and also the world would know that what we have is a tool, it's a test, and it's a trademark. And we pray these things in and through the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen and amen. To all regular attendees of Door of Hope Christian Church, as a part of the 2020 vision, as I mentioned before, we're looking to grow three things. I think they're up on the screen now. Is that right? <laughs> Are they up there? Are they there? Growing hope, growing invitations, and growing mercy. And we have such a you know, grand, big vision and a great God 
who's orchestrating all this. We're aiming for a thousand people to be in regular attendance by 2020. We're also expecting some of those stories to come forward. So just as a reminder of that, please bring some of your hope and transformational stories uh, to us just via email or Hope Central during the week there. Feel free to do that. But because of this vision that we believe God's given to us, that there are implications in how we do ministry here. For example, this kind of vision affects car parking which we've got more information coming to you about that real soon. We've got uh, this implication has implications to staffing, to budget considerations, and also our facility, which I really want to focus on with just these next couple of moments, and that's our facility. You see, we want to continue to create more attractive spaces that we invite our friends and guests to, especially to those who are experiencing church for the first time. Um, there's an area that I want to bring to your attention this morning that's in our facility that we're very keen to bring up to speed that's currently cold, <laughs> it's unattractive, and it's uninviting, do I dare say a little bit embarrassing. Um, but as I say that, it's full of potential. I think we've got a picture of it there. We've got a picture there. Okay, that's the area I'm talking about. This is the area just outside the small auditorium, directly opposite Hope Central. Now, this area that you see on the screen here right now is often the first area that a new person will see coming up the Glendrew Street entry and often around the corner going up to the gym or into our children's facility or whatever it might be. Currently, it's our welcome lounge and it's certainly experiencing great community in this area each and every Sunday, but it is in need of an urgent upgrade. And so, after much discussion, we have a dream for this area that we know will complement our 2020 vision. Do you, want to, do you want to know what the dream is? It's this. We see it becoming, is it there? A fireside lounge with a gas log fire and things like that. Let me explain the area, the dream for this area, uh, just in a couple of dot points, and it's this. We see this as a comfortable, warm space for people to enjoy before and after church and during the week, of course. We see it as a place to have a drink with a friend who is starting to maybe explore the Christian faith. We see it as a place to, to catch up over an encouraging or accountability conversations. We see this as a place to, to listen and to share with a friend who may be in need. We see this as a comfortable place to tap into our free Wi-Fi, of course, and spend some good quality downtime there. So here is how we need your help. <laughs> We, I'm inviting each of us, the generous congregation of Door of Hope Christian Church, to prayerfully consider giving to this financially over and above our regular tithes and offerings towards this project. Just got to, uh, in the next slide there, I think there, it says our completion date. Our completion date for this renovation, we're hoping to have it all sorted, ready for the Christmas kind of uh, season. Uh, by November this year, we would love that to be completed. Uh, the closing date for our giving we're really going to bring this probably in the next six weeks. So mid-September, mid we're inviting us to bring about a, a, a giving opportunity over and above our regular tithes and offerings. On your way out, you will receive some more information that will look a little bit like this. <laughs> and there's also an envelope that's attached to it. So um, we need to differentiate uh, what's the difference between our uh, regular giving to our uh, Fireside Lounge project. But I will remind you of this. The reminder slide up there. <laughs> that our annual Miracle Missions offering will still be taken up at Christmas time. 
And our miracle target this year is $35,000. As I mentioned before, that we give to projects locally, nationally, and internationally. That the people of Door of Hope have a real heart to support those projects. And we're going to continue to do that. And this is just one of those extra projects that we'd love to just really lift in our facilities here at Door of Hope. So... Whilst these upgrades and these developments are important and they are exciting, they're certainly only built to serve our vision and our mission, which is ultimately about being a door of hope through Jesus Christ in this fragile and uncertain world. Everyone breathe? (sighs) Okay? I just want to be honest and have a heart-to-heart with you just for a moment. I know that this is a big ask. I also know that we serve a big God and I also know that we have an incredibly generous congregation among us. And so together in community, together in community, I believe that we can. We can raise the funds that are needed to get this job done and move on with what God has called us to do. I hope you certainly can join Karen and I, who are certainly going to contribute to that for sure. And as I said, on your way out, you receive that envelope. If you don't have a PIB, you also receive some more information in regards to the Fireside Lounge project.